Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from the United Kingdom is Robert Bond. Robert is a partner in Notary Public at the firm Bristow's. He is also a member of the SCCE and HCCA board, but he's here today in his capacity as the track chair for the Privacy and Data Security track at the 2020 Compliance and Ethics Institute. Uh, Robert, thanks for taking the time to join us and from such a great distance. Well, thank you, Adam, for having me on. Delighted to uh, take part. Well, we're very delighted to have you and, and your contribution to the meeting. Now, can you start by giving us an overview of what people can expect to learn from the sessions on the privacy and data security track? Yeah, sure. We've, we've got a number of sessions, some basic, uh, some intermediate, and we're going to be covering everything from Privacy 101, looking at current and emerging laws and regulations relating to privacy and data protection, but then other sessions are going to look at a sort of deeper dive into things like the um, uh, CCPA, the California Consumer Protection Act. Uh, we're going to look at issues around data security, cyber risks, and so on. So there's a there's a full and varied program. Um, I wanted to particularly mention that the session I'm doing with Brad Hammer uh, will look at the current and emerging laws and regulations, and particularly uh, how to map and classify the different personal data or personal information that businesses use, uh, what I call the who, what, when, where, why, and how, uh, that sort of gives you, if you like, the data, yeah, the provenance of the data that you've got, and then how to develop and implement um, global compliance programs, and actually what's the return on the investment? Yeah, it's definitely a problem that organizations have is figuring out where this data comes and uh, and also where it's all stored over and over and again comes up as an issue as organizations sort of lose track of what they've taken. Now, one of the big issues that I know that will be addressed is GDPR. It's been a huge one for organizations all over the world, not just those during business in Europe. Now, it, it's long been one of the hottest issues of privacy. What's the state of GDPR these days? Are we seeing strong enforcement and are there any lessons learned already for organizations based on what's been done? Uh, yeah, it's timing is everything, um, Adam. And um, uh, literally in the last 48 hours, the European Commission have just published their evaluation reports on the effectiveness of GDPR. Uh, broadly, uh, Europe thinks it's been doing a good thing for the past two years or so, but the report does identify a need to improve uh, the exercise of data subject rights, and I might come back and talk about that in, in a minute. Uh, so the way in which data subjects can exercise their information rights needs to be improved, but also the report talks about a need to improve prove cross-border regulatory cooperation and enforcement. Now, my experience uh, as a lawyer specializing in privacy is that uh, whilst we've seen um, enforcement uh, and some fines, 
they've not been as large as we might have expected or indeed as the media has tended to focus on, you know, the 4% of global annual revenues. We, we haven't really seen that yet. There's no doubt that the um, COVID-19 pandemic has caused privacy regulators to be focusing their attention elsewhere, particularly in relation to processing of health data and the track and tracing and so on. Uh, I'm sure that once this is over, um, if, if it ever is over, we will get back to more enforcement and investigations by regulators. But what we have been seeing uh, is an uptick in class actions, and this trend will continue. And we have seen a, a significant uh, uptick in the use by individuals of their information right requests like access, uh, erasure and rectification. And I found that many businesses have been ill prepared for the impact of those requests in terms of time and effort and cost to the business. Well, I think it says a lot about what's going on in that, you know, you, you've raised two things already that I, I want to dive deeper into. Um, let me start with an off the GDPR issue for a moment. Um, you mentioned already the California Consumer Privacy Act. It's, it's one of many other privacy regimes out there. Uh, what should compliance professionals be thinking about as they try to navigate this expanding universe of privacy regimes? Uh, yes, you're right, Adam. Um, it's not all about GDPR, and um, the CCPA has attracted the attention of legal and compliance in many businesses. However, there are many other laws emerging in all parts of the world that may impact on multinationals. Japan, uh, Brazil, India, Russia, South Africa, Singapore, and China, to name but a few. Uh, it's interesting that Whilst obviously US companies particularly have been focused on CCPA uh, and we have the GDPR things still going on, in 2019, there were over 100 countries in the world that drafted or implemented new privacy laws that bear similarities to the principles of CCPA and GDPR. And in terms of your question, what should um, professionals be thinking about is actually thinking about the similarities between GDPR, CCPA, and indeed many of these other laws, which I think actually should help us to implement not quite a one-size-fits-all program, but certainly taking us well down the track of not having to have a hundred different variations on a theme. And that's, that's a sense of direction where we're continuing to move in. Um, and I think that is helpful for a multinational. You know, it certainly has been helpful how compliance regimes in general, you know, when we look at the US sentencing guidelines or what's in the UK Bribery Act or the, the many other uh, legislation around the globe, there's been a remarkable consistency, which has helped make things a lot easier. Now, let me go back to something else you raised, which was the pandemic. Um, the data security discussion has changed dramatically since the COVID-19 pandemic hit. 
and the massive shift to working from home that's followed it. Um, what are companies getting right and wrong as they make this shift from a privacy perspective? Yeah, you're right, Adam. Um, obviously, the lockdown has changed forever the way in which many of us work. Um, and remote access to the office infrastructure and working from home may well be the new normal. I think where things haven't gone well is that, frankly, many organizations didn't have a robust working from home policy um, because, to be honest, they hadn't anticipated the entire workforce working from home or working remotely. And that, I think, uh, will lead to some technical and organizational challenges in terms of how information and personal data is being processed. Um, businesses that are getting it right have suddenly put in place better procedures to manage the remote working uh, and just because it's a pandemic uh, doesn't mean that businesses don't have to comply with data privacy laws uh, indeed the regulators have said you still have to comply with the law tough as it is the fact that um, we are working outside the confines of the office uh, does for many businesses raise the risk of loss of control of data and also loss of document control where information may be spread across a number of devices and is remote from the usual uh, central server approach a lot of businesses already had in place uh, a secure method of accessing the central server through, say, a virtual private network. Uh, but that may not have been the case for everybody in the business. Uh, and indeed, whilst some of us may well have been armed with corporate laptops, uh, corporate smartphones and devices, there will be an, an awful lot of staff who will be working from home on their own personal device. Uh, on their personal laptop, on their personal uh, iPad, etc. Uh, and may indeed be, if you're like me and still enjoy paper, printing things off on my own personal printer. And where I think there are some uh, risks um, is when this is over, how will we import back into the system those things that are now disparate? Uh, where is that paper file gone that wouldn't normally be left lying around at home but should be in a locked cabinet? How will we get confidential information off personal devices and back where it should be? Uh, the answer is we're going to have to, because if we don't, I don't think we are controlling information and controlling personal data. Uh, and so I do think we need to work or revisit data retention and data destruction policies. Um, and yes, generally appreciate that 
you may in fact be sitting on a data incident time bomb. As you were telling this, it made me realize something that I fortunately have this piece of technology in the house, but it's a piece of technology that more companies should probably consider issuing to their employees, which is a paper shredder uh, to yep. make sure all those documents are properly disposed of and not just thrown in the bin. Now, as you're saying this, I, I couldn't help but think, are there any other issues that you think are being overlooked from a data perspective and privacy or, or, or other technological issues that are out there that people are missing at this point? Well, one of the things that um, it occurred to me when um, I started working remotely, working from home, and indeed, I, I've not been back in the office uh, for several months, um, is I'm fortunate that uh, I think I'm tech savvy. Uh, I can find what I need in a digital world. I can buy things online. I can order new print cartridges, etc. But I think one of the um, uh, areas that we haven't yet addressed is uh, accessibility uh, by design. We all know about privacy by design and how to implement privacy and security as a default in the new technologies that we're using, or indeed in asking our staff to do a Zoom call or a Skype or a Teams or a whatever. Uh, we've also begun to embrace ethics by design but now i think as we are going to be so more dependent on the digital world to carry on our business we need to think about accessibility uh, for those that have challenges in terms of accessing uh, websites online services apps etc uh, actually, this is a, a topic that I'm going to be covering in a completely different session uh, during the uh, conference uh, with uh, friends Michelle Landis and Steve Helland, uh, who in the US focus on a lot of the litigation around the failure of businesses to deal with accessibility. And indeed, we're starting to see that again as a new trend over here in, in Europe. So that's something that is coming down the line that we need to take account of, not just dealing with how do we manage uh, and secure personal data, but how do we enable everybody to be treated equally when they are accessing digital services? Well, clearly there's a lot to think about and a lot to learn uh, for all of us in general, and it's great that we'll be addressing these issues at the 2020 Compliance and Ethics Institute. Robert, I want to thank you again for your help in putting the track together for that for the conference, and I uh, want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Schulteub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>